Hey, this is Joseph Massonary. I'm the pastor at Cornerstone, and this is our podcast. I want to thank you for joining us today. I hope this inspires you. I hope this helps you build your faith. I hope in some way that God will challenge you with a new perspective as you listen. Enjoy the message. morning. We want to welcome anyone that might be streaming at home. Can we say hello to our online crew? We know there's those that are watching online. We want to welcome them. And we are in, goodness, this is like week five of this series called Unknown. And what we've been looking at are scriptures that, that might be ignored or lesser known. When the Bible talks about in 2 Timothy 3.16 that all scripture is useful, all scripture, is, we believe that it is, it is God communicating through men to, to deliver his direction, his word. It's, it's useful for teaching and rebuke, right? We believe this, and yet sometimes I find myself growing up in church where we just kind of glance over a few things or we just skip certain areas of the Bible because we know, my goodness, the minor prophets feels like everybody says the whole thing. There's judgment and repentance all throughout the minor prophets, right? And so there's parts of the Bible that we just tend to to glance over, or can we even say it like this? Sometimes we skip in church a little bit. And so this morning, if you have your Bible, we're going to look at a story that actually, it could be a story that you're very familiar with. Chances are you have heard this story, but it also could be a story that you haven't, maybe we haven't stopped and actually looked at what God's Word has to say about it. We haven't looked at what Scripture actually says about it. And so if you have your Bible, would you open it up or turn it on? There you go. That's going to be my new phrase. I learned that in this month. Turn on your Bible to Genesis chapter 11. Would you do that and just hold it? We're going to look at verse 1. But are there, I see a new baby in the house, but are there any teenagers in the house? Teenagers, just give me a shout if you're, if you're 13 to 19, right? Some teenagers in the house. Our youth generally comes to this one. They're, some of them are probably serving up top, right? But, you know, does it, do any of us remember being a teenager? It, right? It was a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away. It was a long time ago. For some of us, some of you kids are looking at me like, how do you remember being a teenager, right? Um, but I remember being a teen and, and looking back at the time, being a teenager felt, oh, do you remember like sometimes feeling overwhelmed? What am I going to do when I grow up? Who am I going to marry? What college am I going to go to? What kind of job am I going to have, right? Worrying about a lot of different things as a teenager. And one thing I just want to say before we get going, but I want to look at a principle here. But man, if you're a teenager, man, just enjoy it. Would you guys, life is good, right? Life is good when you're a teenager. Love your parents, make good decisions, honor, appreciate your mom and dad, because man, I'm telling you, it's fun. But I remember this feeling I would have from time to time. And if you were like this, just out yourself, just put yourself out there. But I remember as a teen, um, this feeling that I wanted independence from mom and dad. Does anybody remember those days? And maybe you had, I grew up in a house with a lot of siblings, and so we all, really, we, we grew up, we, we were all similar, yet we had our differences in the way we thought and the way we behaved and the way we went about decision-making in life. But I remember being, a, I was a middle child, so I want to make sure I please everybody, right? Please my parents, please my siblings, please them all, right? Make them all. Uh, I was a middle child before the other two arrived. I'm teasing. If you know our family, there was like, there was three of us, and then three turned into five when I was like 12, but it's all, it's all good. But I was originally like a middle child, and I remember wanting to make sure everybody's happy and everybody's been, been pleased or whatever it is. But I remember this feeling when I got to college thinking, you know, I really want my independence. But then I remember going to Newport Beach with my friends, and I remember calling my dad and saying, would you transfer me some gas money so I can go to the beach? Right? I remember this feeling like, I better cut my hair and get a job. I better start working, right? I remember this feeling that took over, like, there's something interesting about being a teenager is we want independence, and yet, in some ways, we are totally dependent on mom and dad. Parents in the house say, amen. Right? Right? But, but, but can we relate to that feeling? Remember, put yourself back there. Go back to those, those teen years where you wanted independence. You didn't want mom and dad telling you what to do, when to go to sleep, who to go out with, what friends to be with, whatever it was, right? You didn't want their opinion on much, 
but you didn't mind that mom and dad paid for that roof over your head. You didn't mind that mom and dad picked up the power bill and the gas bill and the food bill and the, right, the, the insurance bill and whatever goes along with it. There's a part of us, it's like we crave independence, yet at the same time, when we are young, we, we can look back and think how silly our mindset may have been and how silly that tension was. But the reality, when we become grown-ups and when we talk in the spiritual, there are times in each of our lives where we really don't treat God the Father all that different, right? There's times where we, we crave our independence. We want to make our own decisions. We want to go off plan. We want to, you know, we talked about in the Ten Commandments how God, yes, He has commands and He has rules, but it's more like a, a, a fence not to keep you inside the fence, but so much to keep other things from getting into it, right? My goodness. We, we, we sit here and, and we can look back at our, our teenage years, but the often, often it's true that we want independence from God, yet in some ways, when we really break it down, whether it's our health or our jobs or different things, all good things, the blessings that we have, we constantly at the same time are dependent on Him. We're going to look at a story that you probably are familiar with, but we're going to break down some scripture just a little bit. Genesis chapter 11, verse 1, and it is the story of the Tower of Babel. How many of you have heard this story before? So it's not quite unknown, but maybe we haven't dug into the, the scripture quite as much. We're going to look at a group of people who know what it's like to veer off track, to begin to celebrate themselves a little bit too much. They begin to celebrate all the things that they can and have accomplished as a community, as a people group. Verse 1, would you read it with me? Now the whole world had one language and a common speech. As people moved eastward, they found a plain in, in Shinar and settled there. The plain of Shinar was this journey eastward which and it's interesting enough I had one of our one of our former soldiers said he has been to that area right it's it is it is uh, scripture this this area became what was known as Babylon which now today is is in the country of are we there Iraq correct right and so when we're talking about this passage Babylon is always represented and really they have earned this reputation when you when you learn about their history when you learn about kind of some of the things that they practice Babylon is represented as really in in scripture being defiant being um, uh, evil and defiant towards the things of God uh, up until this point in scripture this this going east right here in this would you just circle this because sometimes we can miss this in verse 2 as people moved eastward there was also this man in scripture it was reminiscent of this man named Cain who went east of the garden of evil this going east idea this going east became a focal point of of contention really and it became a, a point of representing rebellion against the things of God Interesting. Verse 3. Here's what they said to each other. Come, let us make bricks and bake them thoroughly. I find it interesting that they don't use stone in this time and age, right? This is actually pretty advanced, it seems. Let us bake them thoroughly so they use brick instead of stone, and they use tar for mortar. Verse 4. Then they said, Come, let us build ourselves a city. Let us build a, a capital city. Let us build something magnificent with a tower that reaches to the heavens so that we can make a name for ourselves. Otherwise, we will be scattered over the face of the earth. If you read a little bit before, we will come to find out, and maybe you can read in, in Genesis chapter 10 and, and before in Genesis, uh, what they plan to do when they say, hey, you know what, let's build for ourselves a city with a tower that reaches to the heavens. Otherwise, we will be scattered over the face of the whole earth. God had commanded them to scatter around the face of the whole earth. Right? What they are actually doing is going directly against that which God had instructed them 
to already do. They, they, they reach this level of success as a people, as a town, as a city, as a country. They reach this level and they say, you know what, we, we don't need to listen to what God has for us anymore. They've reached this level of success where maybe you've caught yourself doing this, but number one, would you write this down in your notes? Successful people still need a savior. Would you write that down today? Successful people still need a savior. No matter how much you've achieved, no matter how much success you have seen, right? No matter how much honor people have given you, you still need a savior. These people have decided we've made it. Well, let's build something that honors us. Let's build something about us that represents us. See, many of us have heard this story, the Tower of Babel. We've heard it before. But there's something that lies, like we say, there's something like lurking. There's some truth lurking below the surface that these events, there's something in us today that we think, this, this Tower of Babel, man, we just skip past it in Scripture. It doesn't really seem like that big of a deal, right? It doesn't really seem like that big of a deal, but it is when God has given specific instructions to follow for the human race to spread out, and they do just the opposite. They decide to make a name for themselves. Would you write this down in your notes this morning and maybe this describes a season of your life? Maybe this describes you as a teenager or a college student or maybe this describes you currently, right? We're all in different places. That's one thing I love when we come together. We have people that are here celebrating the greatest highs of life like a, a new baby in church and then we have people in the same building that are walking through some very, very difficult moments that life is throwing your way. So as we get into the, the word this morning, would you write this down? The need for a savior is lessened when you feel you can do life by yourself. Would you write that down? The need for a savior, you know, when we feel like we can make it alone, when we feel like we can do it on our own, the, and why do I need saving? so to speak, right? If you've ever watched that show Shark Tank, I love Mark Cuban on that show and, and Mr. Wonderful on that show. Those are like my favorite two characters, right? Has anybody ever watched the, the Shark Tank? Some of us? All right, four of us. Awesome. I'm the only one, right? All right, we're all unplugged anymore. We don't pay cable bills. And it's like, it's not on Netflix? Nope, don't watch it. I don't know what you're talking about. But there's these terms that we throw around, and part of it, it makes our country so amazing, right, that, that anyone can make it. But we have this term that we've coined this. Have you ever heard someone say, man, that's a self-made man. That's a self-made millionaire. That's a self-made woman, whatever it is, right? And, and that's amazing that that, we, that that can happen in our country and in our culture. But as a, a follower of Christ, this idea that we are self-made is actually not scriptural. Right? As a follower of Jesus, this idea that we have just done it all, all, all by ourselves, it is not biblical in a, in a physical or spiritual sense. See, this Tower of Babel story, it's this idea that people desire to be free from God. This Tower of Babel idea is this desire, right? People desire to be free, live a life free of God, of kingship, of authority. We see it openly displayed in our culture today, quite honestly. We don't need to point to another city or another country or another situation. We can look right here at home in our country and say, we, we, there, there is a sense, there is a sense for some that we see it all around that people want to erase the creator, right? The created want to erase the creator from every aspect of our culture in some sense. And this scripture serves as a reminder, this Tower of Babel story, no matter how much you achieve, no matter how great you become in man's eyes, no matter what we do, we have a God so amazing that is so incredible. The Bible says that he formed you in your mother's womb, right? The creator of the universe, right? Not just the creator of planet Earth, the creator of the universe, no matter what we do, no matter how much you make, no matter what your, what your position is, the thing that's amazing is none of that will even remotely compare to what our God has done, right? And interesting, and interesting um, in this story, these, these people actually, you know, they say, let's build this thing, let's build this structure so we can get closer to God. Right? Have you ever done something with maybe even the motive 
that's like it's a motive that you think is is a healthy motive but maybe you realize later it wasn't that you know their motive they said let's let's build this thing this this thing to to talk about ourselves this structure right they're physically trying to move closer to god all while spiritually moving away from the heart of god did you hear that church would you write that down physically they are like it it it'd even be like us today you know what let's let's build four more gigantic building projects let's do all these different things but if we aren't in tune and in touch with the heart of god then what the heck does any of that matter right so this tower of babel story it is so applicable for us today verse 5 but the lord came down to see the city and the tower and the people that that were building verse 6 the lord said if as one people speaking the same language they have begun to do this then nothing they plan to do will be impossible for them verse 7 come and would you i just love this little fun fact it's mentioned also in earlier in genesis but look at this reference to the Trinity found right here, right? This, this, they weren't able to really even understand this or grasp this in the Old Testament times, right? Before Jesus was revealed, before the Holy Spirit. But even this plural, it says, come, would you underline this? Let us go down, right? Referencing the Trinity right there in Genesis, right? It's also mentioned Genesis chapter 1 verse 26, but let us go down. This truth wasn't fully understood in the Old Testament, but without them even knowing this trinity, this triune Godhead was there in eternity, was there at creation. I just love that little fun fact. Can we finish off verse 7? You still with me? Verse 7, let's finish it off. So they will not understand each other. Let us go down, confuse their language, so they will not understand each other. Number 2. Would you write this down? Our bad plans can lead to God intervening for good. Our bad plans can lead to God's intervention. Scripture tells us that God came down. The, 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 the people never made it up to him, but God had to stoop to their level. Do we see that? God had to come down. I remember being a kid, and how many of you know dads, I have this dad voice with my girls, but also, man, I feel like dads, if we're doing our job right, we don't even need a dad voice. There should just be a dad look, right? And it involves the people's eyebrow and the rock. No, I'm teasing. But I remember being a kid at Alias Smith and Jones, and my dad had a look. He didn't even need to say anything. And sometimes one of my brothers, like, wouldn't catch it. Like I said, I was the people pleaser, right? But I, I remember, like, nudging one of my brothers, like, he's looking at you. He's looking at you. He's, stop, stop getting up from the table. Stop running around. He's looking at you right? How many of you know it's like this idea here, it's this, this, this verse that says God came down. It's like, man, don't make me come down there, right? This, because God, he is the initiator of uh, this, this, he's initiator of our, the freedom that he gives us. But his, the freedom that God gives us, it, it is, it is for our benefit. You know, we, we love to use the word freedom and, and we celebrate it as a country and so we should, but often, in a biblical sense, right, as a, as a, as a, in a biblical sense, our freedom isn't given to us so we can run around and do whatever the heck it is we want to do, do and, and do it with whoever we want to do it with, right? That isn't a sense of, of, of true freedom that God just gives. Freedom, it, it gives us choices. But how many of you know there are always consequences to the things we decide to do, right? One of the tactics of the enemy is to, anybody heard this statement used lately in culture? Buzzword, buzzword alert, right? One of my buzzwords is your truth. Oh, that drives me crazy when I watch Survivor or any show, right? Has anybody ever heard that? Right? We live in a culture that that is a, that's a, I, I, need, I need therapy for that word alone, right? Your truth, right? We live in a culture that says, you know, every, there, there's like, how many billions of people on the planet? And we're all allowed to have a truth for ourselves? How, what does that even mean? No wonder we can't get along. 
No wonder we can't figure things out, right? The tactic of the enemy, it doesn't change. It's to distort God's word, to, 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 to distort his plans, to deceive God's people, to, to change things, and even to, to give us a misconception as believers of what freedom is all about. Because in true sense of freedom is, the reality is this, church, our lives are either ruled by the Lord, our lives are either ruled by the King, by our God, or, or as we saw in that Tender Commandment series this summer when we talked about idols, right? We're either ruled by God, the Father, or a cheap imitation of it, right? Or false things, right? Anything other than the Lord is just a cheap imitation. You see, in our lives, we have times where maybe some of us, we have a season. Maybe you're walking through a season of confusion. Maybe you're walking through a season of hurt. Maybe you're walking through a season of addiction. And many times, and now hear this because it's not all the time. So don't, don't hear that Pastor Joey said it's all, all the time. It's, it's my fault. Because sometimes you walk through trouble. You walk through hurt because someone else hurt you. And it had nothing to do with you. All right. So make sure you hear that. But I think all of us as followers of Christ know when some, we recognize sometimes when we have blown it. We like to say in church things like falling short, right? But you see, many times in our lives when we have a season of addiction, confusion, problems, many times, not always, many times though, our problems, our addiction, our confusion, it's a, des a direct desire of this will that we have to be independent from the things of God. Right? Many times, like it's that old, like we make our own bed, we have to lie in it, right? Many times, right, our problems... It's a direct desire to violate God's playbook. God's playbook for life. What's laid out for us right there in scriptures. Is it interesting to you that it seems like today with all the amazing things going on. Technology advancing like never before. Is it, is it seem like to you that man-made solutions. I don't know. It just could be my opinion. But it feels like man-made solutions are not working for our culture. Feels like man-made solutions are not working for our world today, are they? Let's look at verse 8, and then we'll get into the third and, and final point. So the Lord scattered these people. He scattered them from there all over the world, and they stopped building the city. That is why it was called Babel, because there the Lord confused the language of the whole world. From there the Lord scattered them over the face of the whole earth. Number three, you see, when it comes to God, when it comes to freedom, when it comes to patting ourselves on the back, would you write this down? God's creation will never be his competition. Would you write that down in your notes this morning? His creation will never be competition. You see, things might be going well for a season. Uh, it, it feels, I remember always, like I've always loved movies. I've always loved superheroes. I've always loved sports. But it feels like to me that celebrity, status, power, it, it just feels like in a sense that it's like celebrated like, like never before. And maybe, maybe that's just like the air, like something that I see, but, but man, it's interesting how much we desire to be close to people with power if we don't check our motives. Remember that, 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 that scene in Lion King? Anybody ever watch Lion King? All right, I got to get a, a Star Wars, a Disney or a rock reference in every sermon, folks. You know that about me, right? But there's this scene where Timon, his best buddy, he finds out that he was actually the king. Do you remember that? And he says to him, he says, hey, hey, relax, Timon, I'm still the same guy. And Timon says, yeah, but with power, right? There's something in us that we wanna be connected to people that we think are important. We wanna somehow celebrate that, that celebrity or, or that person, right? I was reading an article and this, is, this was, I was reading it yesterday and it was shocking to me how much we put people like this up on a pedestal. But it was about Jeff Bezos and one of the wealthiest men in the, in the world, right? And it said he had bought a house in California, forget this, $165 million. $165 million. If anybody's got that kind of change laying around, you just let us know. We'll know where to put it, right? But my goodness, right? And the article at the time, and this isn't even counting that his wealth has actually increased over the last year. It said that his home that he purchased was actually worth 0.013 of his wealth. 
I'm horrible at math, folks. My worst subject ever. Like, do not ask me to multiply anything. I, I did a homework page for my nine-year-old Peyton last two weeks ago, and I had to tell the teacher, it all came back red in every answer I gave her. I literally had to tell, the teacher was like, she, she was like, she had to tell me, she was like, this new math is killing me, right? But as, as we, for real, as we get into this, we celebrate this, this these people that, that we think, man, just to be like them, just to have that, to do that, right? And, and I, was, I was reading this article and it said, you know, if, if you make $68,000, which is a very livable salary, right? Livable wage, right? If you make $68,000, his house would be like you buying a home for $88. How many of us would love to buy a home for 88 bucks? How many of us with inflation, how many of us would love, wish we could go to Walmart and spend $88? You can't even get groceries anymore for 88 bucks, right? It's crazy. But what's concerning as culture is it seems like we just put so much value on these people and we elevate them so much and that that power that that status we have so much faith in our own abilities that it feels like culturally we we have left God completely out of the picture we've left God completely out of the presentation we live in a culture where we have so much technology so much information can I say it like this we've made celebrity or million billionaires men like that we've made gods, little g gods, out of our fellow men. We've made little g gods out of our fellow women, leaders, right? Men and women. And God may just allow us to keep doing this for a season, right? He may just allow it to keep happening, right? He might allow us to be this country that can go on and say, you know, we want to remove you from every aspect of culture. And here's the idea. We want to just say what we want to say whenever we want to say it. We want to spend what we want, whatever it is, we, whatever it is. But throughout history, I want us to think of this as we like, what do we prioritize as believers when it comes to this tension of, you know, maybe you're here and it's like heartbreaking because we love our country, but I want to say, man, we are called to love our God. We're called to elevate Him above all else, right? Because what's interesting to me, if you go back in history, um, sadly, anything that man, ma mankind has ever made has always been temporary, right? Why do we think that we would actually be any different? Anything that mankind has created has always been, been temporary because God will never allow competition from his creation. He'll never, he'll never allow himself to be compared to a country, to a person, right? Number four, would you write this down? And I just want to kind of ask us this as we close, our final point. And I don't even know if this question makes sense. I was reading it this morning and it felt backwards to me. But I think we'll get the idea from where we've laid the groundwork this morning. Number four, how independent are you with God? And maybe I just want to like, in what area, right? I thought it was interesting. They were building this um, structure with bricks and mortar. And we think, man, how, how primitive of them. But actually, that was a pretty advanced way of doing things back in the day. And I don't know if you've noticed this, but the further and further we seem to get with technology, the more advanced we get, you know, we have a computer in our pocket at all times, right? Seems like the further, the more advances we see in technology, the further and further we get from the Lord. The further and further we go from God. Verse 9, would you read it one last time? That is why it was called Babel, because the Lord confused the language of the whole world. From there the Lord scattered them over the face of the whole earth. We wonder, I think, why there's so many problems in our society. You know, you watch the news in Las Vegas, and I mean, right away, there's, there's not a whole lot of good news on the television, right? Problems in our, in our homes, in our relationships, in our lives, in our culture, even, even sadly in the church. The problem is we, we have this idea where we want, to, we want to believe in God and we want to have a relationship with God, but we want it independently from what we want to do. Right? We, this idea of freedom is misunderstood even in the church. The very thing, that this freedom that we desire so much is actually tearing us apart. Freedom never means it's not intended to be free from God. It's not intended to be free from God's instructions. There's something we just need to notice 
this, you know, it doesn't matter if it's, if it's progress, creation, invention, all these different things. But the reality is there is something happening in our culture that is pulling us further and further away from the Lord. The, un, uh, the, the, the reality, the real truth, the unfortunate truth is that we, in our country, I can't speak for others, but I believe we have our own Tower of Babel situation going on today as we do the very same thing. We think this story is for like those people thousands of years ago back then. But the reality is God can stoop down to our level. He can change things in an instant. He can change the world in an instant. Right? We believe either God causes all things, or as Christians we believe God allows all things to pass through His hands. Right? He allows things to move forward. And we can see, I, I remember this a year and a half ago, I remember saying, it, it seemed like in March of 2020, the world, God just stopped the world from spinning. God sent the whole world home from work in a moment, didn't he? Like if you're going to write that down in scripture, you know, I was, I, was, I was thinking of this great movie in the 90s. Remember the movie Titanic? Come on, right? Jack and Rose and the beautiful, I'll never let go, Jack, that love story. And I still just kind of like, it, it gets me why she just didn't scoot over on the door. And they're both skinny and in shape. It's not like one of them, like they were like weighing, like, you guys are skinny. Try to like, try a second time to maybe fit on the door, right? <laughs> you didn't have thought of that, did you? Some of you, yeah, right? Or, or the props department just should have made the door smaller. Hey. I'll never let go, Jack. And then she pries his cold fingers from her hands and lets him sink to the bottom of the ocean. Um, right? Yeah. There was this person I was, I was reading about this yesterday, actually. And there was this sailor. His name, you could Google him. His, his name was David Blair. And he was a sailor on the ship that got reassigned last minute to a, another ship at the very last minute. And he forgot to leave the key to a certain locker when he left. Well, there was this engineer that was quoted as making this comment. And this was actually in the Titanic movie. If you remember that Oscar-winning James Cameron, amazing film. Um, it was quoted, one of the engineers, remember they said, not even God can sink this ship. Remember that? Well, it's interesting because this man, David Blair, this is a true story. And, and who knows if this really would have helped because of the way that this, the, the weather was described that night. But you see, he was reassigned to another ship and he forgot to leave his key behind. Well, this was an important key because it was actually the key to a certain locker that was positioned up above the ship in the crow's nest. And inside this locker held the binoculars for the person that was the lookout. And it was recorded that they had someone up there that didn't have binoculars. You see, that problem, that, that iceberg had been there probably for hundreds of years. It wasn't some new thing. It wasn't some new problem, right? They just didn't have the ability from the lookout to actually see it because the key was taken off the ship. It's an interesting story, but I think I just thought of that. You know, God can use something so small to get our attention, can't he? Or he can use something so large to get our attention. But the reality is there's nobody ever that is going to be above the Lord. There's not going to be anybody that is going to be unreachable, untouchable to the creator of all things. No matter how much we achieve. I say it like this, no matter how much you've been promoted, no matter how much you make, no matter how gifted you are, no matter how amazing your talent is, if all of those giftings and all of those talent and all of that money or all of those reasons, whatever it is, if those things aren't pointing people to God and they're just there to point yourself on, pat yourself on the back, then all we're building is a tower to ourselves, a babbling tower about us. But Christ has given us this freedom. And I just wanted to close with prayer. Pastor Greg, would you come up and pray for us this morning? And I wanted you to come and, and, and close us. And I wanted to just say this. Can we just check ourselves today? What area of your heart? As I said, we're all in different 
phases and stages of life. But I just want to challenge us today to make sure we're handling the freedom that God gives us correctly. Would you close us in prayer this morning? You bet. I um, was praying about this passage of Scripture, and it's significant to me that this is only 350 years after the flood. How many times do we have to learn the lesson of where God needs to be in our heart and in our culture? One of the things that just a few chapters earlier in Genesis, it says this, that the Lord saw the wickedness of man was great in the earth. And that every intent and thoughts of the heart were evil. Now listen to this. This breaks my heart. The Lord was sorry that he had made man on the earth. And he was grieved in his heart. Have you ever thought about that? The Lord was sorry he made us. Now I can kind of relate to that on human terms sometimes. Sometimes I hear stories of people that are hurting and, and unfortunately there's parents sometimes that say something like, I wish we never had you. And those are the kind of bombs that a child carries in to being an adult. Or somebody, you should have married somebody else and then you'd be happy. I'm sorry I married you. Can you imagine... The Lord, whom the Bible tells us in Genesis chapter 2, that he created us in his image. He created the male and female. And it's for this reason, a man and a woman, she will leave her parents and the two shall become one flesh. The whole promise that was given, the Adamic promise that was given, and then applied, and then through Noah... God gets to a place because I wanted to have fellowship. And, and how many of you know, in essence, he is saying, I want a family. And then he was sorry he made him. 350 years later, let's build us. We're pretty hot stuff here. Let's build us a tower and let it reach to the heavens. Now, there's a play on words that is here that in order to understand it, I'm, I'm going to need to, to bring somebody very special to me, and I don't know where he is, um, but I need my grandson. How many of you know that usually children don't perform when you ask them to? But I'm going to try something. Ba, 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 ba. Baba. Baba. Baba, baba. Baba, baba, baba. Clap, clap, clap. Baba. Can you say baba? That? Baba. Okay, where's mom? This isn't working. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be Beckham here for a minute. And, and this works every time, doesn't it, Colby? It really does. Ba-ba-ba-ba. Okay, you've got the McCoy side of the family stubbornness, okay? Every time I say to him, Baba. He says, Baba back. Well, not every time. Now, the interesting thing is, is that in the Hebrew, Babel is a play on words. Abba, Father. God did not give us a spirit of fear, but of love and sound mind. He with this, he would call it Abba, Father. Ba, ba. The word babble is onomatopoeic, which means the action sound or the word 
sounds like the action. In other words, tick-tock, or we use the word ba for ba. It sounds like what it is. Ba 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 the tower ba ba nobody understands each other. And when he says ba ba to me, I don't know what he's thinking. I don't know what he's saying. Yes, you buddy. Yeah. Have you got some preacher in you there, young man? I want you to catch this. Ababa, ababa, what's the first thing a baby would say? Father, Daddy, Abba. I don't understand baby language. And these people didn't understand each other. And so when I stopped and thought about this, and Joey asked me to pray, and I go, not only are we trying to build a tower of Babel culturally all over this world, we know that the Bible tells us in the last days there'll be tribulation. We know in the last days that there'll be wars and wars and rumors of wars, that there'll be all kinds of things that nation will rise against nation, and then there'll be an antichrist that comes and declares peace. And right now, we, we are so busy culturally, like whether it's trying to figure this out or trying to figure out, uh, you know, global warming or all the epidemic things. And, and so we're trying to figure all these things out. And God gave us a way with binoculars to make sense of ba 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 ba. You see, it's only through the binoculars of Jesus Christ will we see clearly the impending danger that is ahead of us and what we will go through in this culture and in our life. But here's the crazy thing. If I focus on me, like we do culturally, well, you know, we, you know the internet, we, you, we can figure anything out. There's, you know, billions of dollars, you know, and we realize we come up empty there. But the other part, if we lose focus, we won't see the pending iceberg that's waiting there to sink us, culturally, spiritually. Now, I don't know about you, but when I see a lot of this stuff in the news, I get so upset. My blood pressure rises. I want to go be mad at somebody, you know. And what I realized is so simple. Baba, Baba, I have more fun with that kid when I just come down to where he is and lift him up. Baba, 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 and I become a child again. I become a child again. Might I say this? I I don't know what. The answers are to so many different issues. And, you know, like Joey said, you know, your truth versus somebody else's truth. But I know this. I know the person who defines truth. And I know the person who is truth. And his name's Jesus. And so, in order for me to not let all this stuff crashing down, and, and, and I don't know about you, I've said this before, and yet, Everybody's got an opinion about everything, whether we want to hear it or not. They're going to give it to us. Amen? I don't know. Brenda, where'd Brenda go? She's, still, she's a nurse, got a doctor. You know, I don't know getting the shot, not getting the shot, wearing a mask, not wearing the mask. Uh, in California, you have to wear a mask going to a restaurant in Florida or Georgia, or you don't have to, and, and back and forth, and all these things, and nobody knows what the, exactly the right thing to do is, and so we get in arguments in the church, and we're babbling. And our message is confusing because the heart of the gospel is the very thing that will save the world. And we get in these little babbles. Let's make something really tall. Let's make the biggest internet thing we've ever done. 5G, 6G, 20G. 
we have the message of eternal life if we don't share it our world is going you know where I wanted to close in prayer by saying this the psalmist said I lift my head up to the mountains for which cometh my strength it's not that you lift your head to Mount Charleston and think there's something supernatural that by lifting your head that wow I've got I don't know if you saw the sunset last night but that was pretty powerful when we lift our head it is a declaration of our heart being refocused and instead of babbling about stupid issues we start praising who God is and telling the story of redemption as worked out in each one of our lives that are here. So that my life, my words don't sound like the same as that other babble I'm hearing on that network or that network. I hear, well, you can't do this network. You can't do this one. I'm so tired of it. And I just felt like as I was preparing to lead us in prayer, Lord, so were you tired of me? No? Good. Because why don't you be like your little grandson? And why don't you have the faith of a child? And Jesus said, let the little children that come unto me, such as they are, is the kingdom of heaven. I love what Kimberly said about trauma and I've gone through some stuff and people we've lost that I'm right there with many and many occasions but I want to tell you something how we ultimately overcome traumas through the blood of the Lamb of Jesus Christ we embrace the trauma that he went through and we apply that in our lives now I'm only speaking for me but to me it means I need to get in the presence of God just like little Beckham does when Papa holds him. And you know what? I might pass Beckham away to somebody else because he's too heavy. He's a big kid. But I don't care if he drools on me. I don't care if he has snot coming down on my coat. I don't care if he has a poopy. Well, no, I, do, I, I pass that to somebody else now. But do you hear what I'm saying? Do you think a dad cares about what that child does? Then they just want to be with them. And man, I'm telling you, and Colby will tell you, man, it gets two days and I miss Stetson so bad. I go, I got I to gotta see my boy. Do you think God's any different with you and me? No. And while the world is babbling, we have the news of Abba. Abba Father let's pray shall we would you stand to your feet as we close this morning and I realize that as we're online as well that there may be someone watching that you've never made a decision to surrender your life to Christ Jesus and I would just like to challenge you that that today would be that day Jesus didn't talk about a version of truth. He declared he was truth and is truth. And I love the fact that anytime you have a problem with that statement, you got a problem, you got to do that with Jesus because he said it, I didn't. And so, Lord, as we stand before you this morning, you are Abba Father. We make a mess sometimes in our own lives, our marriages. We situations in our life and our culture and sometimes the world doesn't even understand the language we're speaking Lord would you help us forgive us for being sidetracked sometimes that the 
more we see what's happening around us, we realize the importance of, therefore, fix your eyes upon Jesus Christ, the offer and finish of our faith, for the joy that was set before him, endured the cross and despised its shame, and is now seated down at the right hand of the Father. Lord, I need to be reminded that this isn't my home. This isn't my citizenship. My citizenship is with you in heaven. And it won't be long and I'll be there. But in the meantime, I want to take some people with me. I want to take some people that I haven't shared the story of what God did in my life and my family and my children and my grandchildren and my children's children. Would you offer your hands to the Lord if you're comfortable with that this morning? Lord, you see these hands. Hands lifted up in the Bible mean, means a lot of things. It means the highest form of praise. It also meant surrender. Lord, as we worship you, as we praise you, as we honor you, may you take these hands that are lifted and may they be holy hands for your purpose. May they be hands that reach out to embrace those who are hurting, those who've lost friends, Brian and Chuck and all the wonderful people at our church that have been gone this last year. May these be hands that embrace. May they be hands to reach out and to shake and to welcome others. May they be hands that are willing to reach down and get on the floor like I do with my grandson and just play and be in God's joy to get down and to reach down and to help those who are in need or perhaps reach down to help lift that person who cannot get up by themselves. May the hands that are lifted before you be your hands, Jesus. May your hands to this city be the hands of hope, the hands of a future, the hands of a revival that this world so desperately needs. And we pray this together and bring in the mighty name of Jesus and everyone together said, amen. Thank you for joining us today, and a special thanks to those who give to Cornerstone. You know, it's because of you, our ministry, it's possible. Uh, you can click the link in the description to give now or visit us at cornerstonelv.com. And if you enjoyed the podcast, you can subscribe, you can share it with friends, share it with family, help us spread God's word. You can also join us live every Sunday. We invite you, 9 a.m. or 11 a.m. We stream service live. Thank you again for listening.